This is the Think Tank with Dr. Michael Neal, talking about the major political, economic, and social issues of the week. The Think Tank, KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. Ah, all again, one all all things political with our favorite political guru, uh, Chuck Coughlin, uh, wide ranging, I expect. Uh, uh, from the top, Katie Hobbs, my take, she should have said yes to the debate. I, it seems to me, that mm-hmm. in, in a nutshell, that she's given um, her opponent, uh, Carrie Lake, uh, an opportunity to shift the conversation from, right. from, from herself, frankly. Well, the way she handled it certainly gave um, Lake an opportunity to beat her up. Um, there was a way to avoid it um, and not to engage, which I can understand from a campaign perspective and might even endorse it as a campaign manager. But the way they dragged it out for multiple weeks on format and all this stuff, I mean, I simply would have said, what's the debate? I mean, you believe that, you know, we should get rid of early voting, that the legislature should overturn the elections and that we should criminalize abortion. Game over. I'm not going to debate you, the Arizona well, vote. I, I, in, I mean, a debate, easy, that, in, a de- in a debate, that would be a great opening statement. Well, that should be the opening <laughs> and close, right? Yeah. I mean, it should be that's it and we should be done with it. And then move on and and make yourself available uh, to the media at large, um, to larger groups of people. Because I concede um, people want to put their hands on Katie. They want to make sure that she has the capacity to execute as governor. That's yet, you know, we haven't done that. We yeah. haven't seen that. She didn't do it in the primary. Um, she largely didn't do it in her 2018 race uh, either. Um, because the Repub- Steve Gaynor gave her that race, essentially, by going over the top. And so she's really inherited the office multiple times now, and she inherited this nomination because the Republicans were way over the edge on the election conspiracy stuff. So, you know, I get it, um, but, you know, she she's declined, didn't handle it correctly, and now we're out in this open water where, you know, Lake is beating her up. And I think one of the consequences of what you describe her having ascended sort of by luck and 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 just being in the right place at the right time, I think, is that she is a candidate for governor who isn't terribly well known. I don't think people have a sense of who she is or what she stands for because she's a secretary of state is a high office, yeah. but a relatively anonymous one. You can toil away. For years, except for the oddity in Arizona uh, uh, constitutional law that it's next in line to be governor. As we have found out on occasion. Yeah, more than once. (laughs) I remember when Jan inherited the office in uh, 09, and I'm sitting there talking to her. And, you know, she's holding forth. She's veteran political, never had lost an election. And she was convinced that people knew who she was. And I'm like, no, they don't. And this is a whole new game. Because there's only 51 good jobs in the country. There's the president of the country, and then there's 50 governors, and everybody else is an actor on the stage. And I said to her, whatever you say, as governor, everybody pivots around you because you're the chief Mm -hmm. executive. And so people treat this office differently. Did you remind her about Governor Burton Barr? 
<laughs> I, that's a famous story. When I was working on McCain's campaign in 86, we, we had all these phone banks available downtown, which we offered for mm-hmm. that campaign to use. Never got used. I remember emailing an invitation out the night of the election to a joint fundraiser with Barr and McCain uh, of the primary. And I'm like, I'm like thinking... The next day, I'm like, why did I mail that? I I have to be fair to uh, the segment, a large segment of our audience that hasn't been here that long. Burton Barr was uh, arguably the most powerful man in the state. He was the is the leader of the House of Representatives, the majority leader. And uh, he exerted great power when Bruce Babbitt was governor. Oh, yeah. He built, and they built the coalitions. The yeah. And he uh, bi- did it with Democrats. I but, mean, he had Democrats, Republicans. He 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 ran the show. Down everybody there. down at West Washington knew him, but he was only elected from Nobody one small district in central Phoenix, and the general public had no idea who he was. Mm-hmm. So when Evan Meekham put out a hit piece mailer tabloid, basically that said he was a crook, on the weekend before the election... People looked at that and said, well, I never heard of this guy. Well, but he sounds like a crook. And they, and they for voted, Evan voted for Evan Meekham. Yeah. Barr didn't respond because he didn't think he had to. That's exactly so, right. That's the story of the tape. Had, having been anointed for the job by Ronald yeah. Reagan in the White House, you figure you're safe in I a mean, Republican primary. Today, what's different today is the prevalence of big media, of mm-hmm. television and radio um, and communication externalities, um, mediums, uh, and by all accounts, Hobbs is raising a good deal of money. We haven't seen Lake raise a lot of money. She's got the benefit of the mm-hmm. RGA right now beating up on Hobbs. But you're not seeing a lot of stuff on the air about pro-Lake. Um, you're seeing a lot of stuff beating up on Lake. And you've begun to see some things on Hobbs, which I think you'll begin to see more of. So, I mean, it's not like they're just hunkering down and not. They are raising money. They are going to have an electronic campaign that will be going. But... Again, it, it's the it's the tangible stuff that you really want to try and focus on. I think you said uh, in the hallway before we got started, you had a poll showing of about two weeks ago showing yeah. uh, Hobbs up by about six. Yeah, we had we were up uh, in the week after the primary, so it's about a month old now. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really have reason to believe up until this uh, fia- debate fiasco that there was anything that would have changed that. I suspect it's changed. But we had her up about six points uh, in the cycle with, you know, significant margins amongst women um, uh, and significant margins with not as significant as Kelly on any of these groups, but women, PNDs, unaffiliated voters and voters over 65, which Karen Taylor won. Karen Taylor won those older voters in the primary. And so they're not. Nor- normally going to be Lake voters. You got to go recruit them, and so those three constituencies are the ones that um, I'm looking at, and we're looking at in the cycle to see what happens. And the women being the significant one because of uh, the abortion decision, the a decision we're anticipating here in the next ten days or so. Leading, I mean, early ballots come out the twelfth. Mm-hmm. And we're going to get a statewide superior court decision on the territorial law. I think everybody fully expects the territorial law to become the law 
because and the territorial law was extreme. It said basically no, no abortion ever. Well, without the mother's life, some mm-hmm. exception for yeah. the mother's life, but criminal. It's mm-hmm. a criminal penalty. And so, you know, that that was crafted by the Center for Arizona Policy when they passed that 12-week abortion ban. That was the, the Nexus 12, 12 politics. 12-week ban was supposed to be the, this is what we want to take effect if Roe v. Wade uh, right. remains That intact. was the candy on the table. Mm-hmm. But the language in the bill, which allowed Republicans to support it, was if Roe got overturned, that the territorial law comes back into play. And I think it was intentionally written that way by the pro-life advocates, Kathy Hare, the Center for Arizona Policy, to create the trap, which they have now sprung. And we'll see what the Superior Court decision is. But I've talked to lawyers that are experts on this, and most of them say there should be no reason that the territorial law is not going to be the law of the land. And and that, I think most of us would agree, could trigger an even more extreme reaction yeah, and that, uh, and that, that that's that's the, the the most extreme position you could imagine, really. Right, ten and, days out from you know if it comes out, you know the first week of October, um, or the last week of September, you're within two weeks of people getting their ballots, and women, women are going to be pissed. I mean that's that's going to send that number. They're already, the but I think it will take it'll take the intensity level up. up. And we'll come back in a minute. We'll discuss even uh, the other, I think, contributor factor to that. Lindsey Graham entered into the Fred the other day on that. <laughs> we'll talk about that and other things when we return in just a moment in the Think Tank. The Think Tank. KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. We're back here with Chuck Coughlin talking wide-ranging politics uh, just before the break. Uh, you mentioned abortion. Uh, I, I, think we, I think we'd both agree that the court decision uh, overthrowing uh, Roe v. Wade has just ratcheted up the intensity on the, among women uh, and uh, that the evidence are that, that it's going to be uh, it's going to be a factor, a, a medium to large factor in this election. You're yeah. nodding. Yes. And I would add to this very recently, uh, and 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 probably to the chagrin of most Republican strategy, Lindsey Graham proposed a national ban. On, in other words, the the overturning of Roe v. Wade sent the matter back to the states. Right. And uh, most of us figured that we're going to end up with a hodgepodge. You're going to end up with abortion more or less legal in half the states, and more or less illegal in the other half. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the new status quo. Lindsey Graham proposes uh, a national law outlawing abortion across the board. We know Lindsey is a principled conservative, right? That John McCain. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I just I did the same thing you did when I heard that. I just started laughing. I'm like, oh, yeah, John McCain's best friend and then Donald Trump's best friend. And, you know, if if Lindsey Graham is anything, he is a chameleon of politics. He he absolutely is a political figure and he recognizes the problem the party has right now uh, and they're getting pummeled. And so he came out with a bill that would never pass a Republican Senate 
It would never get out of the Senate with Republican leadership. Because, Not 60 votes, certainly. No, because Republicans, you know, this is quintessential. You're standing in the middle of the road getting hit by traffic going in both directions. Um and it's just not a place where you want to wade into the water. It's it's a it's a state debate now. It's a and it's a regional you know local state discussion. And that's that's the hill they're going to die or win on. And so that's where it is. And of course he tries to rescue himself. You're seeing a logic to this. I'm not. I I'm scratching my head saying why did he do this? Well, because it's a safe middle road. For Republicans, you know, there's there's a majority of the electorate's not in favor of late term, mm-hmm. you know, the later term abortion. Mm-hmm. So pick a pick a week in the middle of the pregnancy where most women would would arguably know and be aware and be yeah. able to have there's access. Very very few. To, there's very few third term right. abortions, right? And almost always they're horrific cases, right? Where you're looking at severe deformities right. and things like that. It's a very tiny number. It it, it it's, you know, if you're going to get an abortion by choice, it's yeah. way, it's as early as you can make it. The late term ones are, uh, I thought, frankly, of all people, Pete Buttigieg answered that issue very well. He said, um, you know, if you're in towards the in the third term, you're planning on having a baby. You've probably bought a crib. You've painted your baby room. Oh, you've yeah. done all this stuff in yeah. preparation. And then you find out something horrific. Right. This is not something anybody sets out chooses to do. to do. Right. So Lindsay comes out with this totally quintessential political position of planting the flag in the middle of the road and hoping that that can be a rescue point, you know, that people could point to. Well, I agree with him. We may not pass that federally, but it could be a state law. You could uh, with the Republican quote unquote leadership like Graham supporting mm-hmm. the idea. It may be a safe space for some Republicans to step their toe into. So that's my thought, but it's it's a it's a significant problem uh, for the Republican Party. Uh, it is a issue that is turning up female turnout. Um, the Democratic turnout was not great in the primary out here. It underperformed, whereas Republicans overperformed. You would argue that was because there were so many competitive Republican races. And, and really only one on the Democratic right. side. Right. There was really no contest on mm-hmm. the Democratic side, but they did underperform. And so you wonder, I mean, I still wonder, are they going to show up? Are you mm-hmm. going to show up? All the anecdotal evidence around the country is, is that, yes, they're the showing yes. up. Arizona was the exception in that regard. Right. And so uh, it, 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 you know, normally a midterm cycle is a plus eight. That's what we're calling it, a Republican advantage. So a 8% Republican mm-hmm. turnout, 42% Republican, 34% Democrat, 24% other. Um, so still, and that's the other constituency that's important for Republicans here is the unaffiliated voter. How do they respond in the cycle? Since Trump's election in 16, I've never seen unaffiliated voters support a MAGA candidate. Um, And that's a big question to me, too. Given the cycle, how do unaffiliated voters behave and where do they go? And in Arizona, to 
in in that context, the top four candidate Republican candidates for senator, governor, secretary of state, and attorney general all, are all clearly MAGA candidates. Ultra MAGA candidates. Yeah. I mean, the, yeah. in the form of Lake and Fincham, you mm-hmm. would argue ultra MAGA. Um, and Abe so, Hamada is is right and, up there. Yeah, with, he's I mean, up there. I saw a debate with him the other day with. Uh, uh, out at the East Valley Partnership, and Chris Mays is taking him to task, wanting to get rid of early voting, wanting to have the legislature overturn elections, and, you know, as the ch- state's chief election officer, she, and wanting to overturn the 20 election, she took him to task in front of that crowd with the East Valley Partnership. You know, those are always tense moments. Pretty Republican crowd mm-hmm. in the East Valley. But, but not a crazy... I've been, I've been a board crowd. member right. there. Right. They're, they're, right. They're, and and it, there, was, there was some tension in the room mm-hmm. when she laid those that wood on him. But mm-hmm. you, you, I think it was an effective way for her to, to play the hand. So mm-hmm. uh, it, it'll be interesting to see in how the cycle develops. Back to your Hobbs point, though. You know, she's got to run a campaign. Um, and she's got to get out there. I think she's got to let voters put their hands on her and let them hear from her. Uh, you know, there's uh, there's a great ad. I don't know if you've seen it. It's up in the state of Washington right now, which has a really interesting race going on. It's got a Democrat, a Republican, and an independent running. The Democrat's not very popular. It's favored to win, but not very popular. But this independent candidate's getting some traction. This is governor. Yeah, governor's mm-hmm. race. Did a great Johnson, Betsy Johnson, just did this great ad driving around downtown Seattle with all the homeless camps. Goes, this is horrible. This is horrendous. Democrats have some good ideas. We need those. Republicans have some good ideas about personal responsibility. We need those. Uh, you know, you could There's see There's a it. lot of people that that's a very appealing yeah, message. It's too. a hugely appealing mm-hmm. message. And that would be a place where, you know, Hobbs could go execute on something like that. But I don't know. You know, I, I'm beyond the. Uh, I'm beyond the uh, candidate campaign anymore, Mike. I think Brewer took the the last big one out of me. I just can't deal with it anymore. But you do issues. Yeah, we do issues. And, you know, we talk about these things and we've been around the track a few times. So I think we know generally what should be done. But, uh, you know, in the trenches is a whole different game of, you know, wrestling with people to try and get stuff done. And personalities and all. I can see how that would take it out of you. Yep. Your firm does does candidates you skew don't yeah, we do yeah. we do some local races we're doing some local mayoral races and stuff like mm-hmm. that right now up in uh peoria with bridget vinsbacher the mm-hmm. council member up there all right we'll be back with chuck coughlin all things political would we return in the think tank in just a moment the think tank ktar news on 92.3 fm and ktar.com we're back with our favorite political guru, Chuck Coughlin. I want to present a scenario for you. Um, that you have mentioned before, and I think it, everybody agrees, this is the critical group, a sort of group of Republican women, suburban, more educated than not, above average income. They're predominant in a lot of our, our suburbs. And they're Republican, but they're not Trumpies. Right. Okay. And they look at the ballot, and it's organized from top to bottom. They look at the U.S. Senate race, and they look at a Republican candidate who is, you know, pretty clearly labeled as totally anti-abortion no matter what. And they say, you know, Mark Kelly's a, a decent, moderate guy. I'm Check the box there. They look at the governor's race, and they say, uh, uh, 
you know, uh, Carrie Leak seems a little crazy. You know, it's just obsessed <laughs> with a whole lot of stuff. And they're just, I mean, they're just not comfortable. Oh, check the box. I'm going to vote for her. What yeah. was her name? Oh, oh yeah. Uh, yeah, you know. uh, yeah. In other words, she may yeah. not even know the name. Huh? Right. They're voting against right. Carrie Lake. Right. And then they come to Secretary of State and Attorney General. And I'm saying, you know, those are, we know, right. those are also far out Trumpy candidates on yeah. the Republican side. But, you know, this woman looks at and says, you know, I'm a Republican. I just voted for Dem. I, I can't. I got to go I home. Can, I got to come home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't vote for a straight Democratic ticket is just a bit much. I believe in voting for the candidate, but to vote straight down yeah. Democrat would be a kind of an affront to my identity. They're yeah. still identifying as Republicans. So first of all, there are Republican groups, women groups that are actively engaged here in Arizona in organizing Republican voters. And they're affluent, they're very well educated, and they are influential. And so Republicans acknowledge the problem we're just talking about. And so there is a a significant engagement on behalf of some grassroots Republican groups here in Maricopa County to talk to this portion of the electorate. So they acknowledge it. And so that is going on. So there is that happening. Um, Then go to the ballot. Um, So top of the ticket is going to be the U.S. Senate race. And then you get the congressional races below that. Mm -hmm. So you'll get an opportunity. Vote for a Republican. Ah, Schweikert, maybe. You know, you'll pull the trigger. Right. I think so. Um, You got the two districts that are in the balance, I think, in Arizona, two down in southern Arizona. Um, You know, Juan Siscomone running against Kristen Engel. Looks like a Republican district. You know, they'll maybe pull the trick at there. That's the southeastern Arizona district. And then you got Tom O'Halloran, who who represents that giant swath of eastern Arizona. It's an R plus. He's a Democrat that's putting an R plus 15. He overcame 5% deficit. I don't think he can do 15. Trump. Plus yeah. eight district yeah. in the last cycle, yeah. he's fighting an uphill battle mm-hmm. um, against a Republican veteran opponent, and so you're going to see some some flexibility there. Stanton's facing a uh, credible, mm-hmm. but not in that district. So you'll get some more Republicans voting for Republican candidates mm-hmm. there, and you get to the state stuff. And you'll get, you know, the sec, you know, governor, general, first, governor, yeah, governor you get the governor. So you got a little break in the there. congressional. I've forgotten the congressional. Yeah, comes you get in a little break in there yeah. and then you're going to get to, you know, the statewide races. But I'm with you on that. I'm like, let's just start voting the statewide races and you get, yeah, I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to vote for um, Lake, you know, I'm going to vote for the other person. And you get to the Secretary of State's race, or the, uh, and you're like, you may not I even know much about, about that. I haven't heard much about that. I yet. haven't heard about that. You know, that seems like a safe Republican bet. And, mm-hmm. you know, that'd be a safe place to be, not knowing that you have an oath keeper <laughs> running mm-hmm. And what that is. Yeah. Yeah. And not who really, is, by and, the and, way, and, somebody you know, who participated in the January yeah. 6th insurrection and, yeah, and I, basically wants to throw out the 2020 well, election. Well, you've done some polling on this. Yeah. There was is, a one point uh, race. Well, two but, weeks but, ago. but not just the initial head race. You did some argument testing in we between, did. right? Where you. Ask who you vote for, then you provide some information, about arguments on both sides, on the, on and the then ticket. you ask again. Tell us about that. Well, we did some, um, you know, some repub- some abortion arguments, mm-hmm. and then we did some arguments on 
um, on the election, on mm-hmm. what the two parties believe about the election. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the other one that we did, but they're fair. I mean, mm-hmm. they were fair characterizations. If you want a good poll, you want to present right, each side's strongest argument. Um, and you wanted to have it representative. Um, mm-hmm. And so I thought we did well with that. It really didn't move the Secretary of State's race that much at all. Mm-hmm. Um, it did move the Attorney General's race. Um, in the op- in the initial phase, we had Mays uh, down uh, to Hamada by two. And then after we did the messaging, Mays was up by two. So mm-hmm. it was a six-point, you know, mm-hmm. it was a yeah, four-point, four six-point move in that and so you're like, you know, that's true. And so this gets back to the issue of campaigns matter. Mm-hmm. You know, candidates matter. Campaigns matter. In close races, you know, you can have the best consultant. You can have the best ground game. You can have the best, you know, um, narrative on radio or TV. But candidates matter. I want to explain a little bit of what you did because it's nothing. It's a very good way. Yeah. You do a, a, a upfront. You do a just a, have a, a who would you test. vote for? Right. And then you try to present the best arguments on for both, both sides. sides. You try to give it your best shot. You try to be fit. You try to on argument on one side. You try to estimate what yeah. his opponent would say about him. Right. And then you do that both ways. And what you're doing with that, and it's always imperfect. Right. But you try to simulate what the voter may know in November. What they're going to hear during what the they're going to hear the during, very well, very well. And then you, then you ask them the post question uh, question anticipating that they've gone through that cycle so mm-hmm. that you're you're mimicking you're trying to mimic the election and cycle. it's always subject to the critique that well yeah you didn't present one argument you didn't present the strongest argument but but if you want to you are doing this internally not to release to to show that somebody's ahead you're you're really giving it the best shot yeah for both i mean the the critic valid criticism mm-hmm. of it is sometimes we we test arguments that one side or the other really doesn't want to talk about, like the abortion issue. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's an issue that Republicans generally want to talk about in the general election. Mm-hmm. But as we've just discussed, it's going to get a lot of attention mm-hmm. in the cycle. And so you end up you know, giving people a, a valid argument on both sides and then see who moves. And then most importantly, you look at the demographics and the, and the crosstabs on this and you see who moves. And so what we saw in all of those tests was Kelly uh, in the race with Masters has significant leads with women, a 20-point lead with women. He had a significant lead with unaffiliated voters, so the independents in party not designated. Mm-hmm. That's a voter piece of the file. And then you had older voters that were migrating away as well. Um, and then you saw that- Migrating s- which way? Which towards, way? towards Kelly. Okay. Um, by like- 12 points. Mm-hmm. And so what you see um, there is, okay, that's the alley that Democrats should be running in because both Cinema and Kelly have laid down a path in Arizona how to win a statewide election. Mm-hmm. So if you're the under, you know, uh, the down ticket candidate, you go, that's what I want to follow. That's, and so mm-hmm. you think that's what the strategy should be. And so you follow those down the line. None of those other candidates, the governor, the secretary of state, the attorney general had the, those significant margins that Kelly did, had some margins, 
but didn't have them in a way that that Kelly had them. The other big difference is how much money they have. The Senate <sighs> campaign is almost unlimited. Yeah, uh, we're going to hear commercials until we're sick and hear of them. I doubt the efficacy of the 97th versus the 96th yeah, repetition yeah, of an yeah. ad. The governor will have a lot of money in both cases. Yeah, you, but Hobbs is, or, you mm-hmm. know, Hobbs is having some success nationally and getting mm-hmm. some money. And Lake's struggling. Mm-hmm. Lake's struggling to find money. Well, to, if, it's viable, if she's viable, though, Republican Governors Association, others. Well, they gave her a ton of money, but mm-hmm. all that money right now is not selling Lake. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's beating up mm-hmm. on Hobbs. So but the big distinction, though, I'm making is yeah. when you get to secretary of state yeah, and attorney weird. general, the money is small and the opportunity to redefine right. and, and shape issues is a whole lot less. Although the national governors, national attorney generals, RGA, Republican mm-hmm. Governors Association, the DGA have mm-hmm. played bigger and bigger roles in those races, um, you know, ever since uh you know the the who uh, who won against uh, Rodolini? Oh, Bernovich mm-hmm. run won against Rodolini, and Bernovich benefited from a significant investment from the Republican Governors Association, which Rodolini didn't get. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're going to see that this time. I think you're going to see a lot of support for the D- Democrat and Republican candidates from those organizations. So the Governors Association is throwing in money in AEG races, both sides. Yeah, I, I anticipate that to be the cycle. Um. I think uh, moving further down the ballot, I would think that uh, the Republican uh, treasurer uh, uh, candidate, uh, Michelle Yee, Lee, 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 ends up being the beneficiary of uh, <laughs> I, you know, Republican women who voted for a couple of Democrats. They're, she's they're a safe, coming home. Go, coming yeah, home, coming yeah. home. And she's an incumbent. Yeah. So, you know, that's non-controversial. That's, you know, Mart- Martine Quezada is running against her. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that's a, a difficult race to pick up traction mm-hmm. on in this race. Superintendent of public instruction. A little more interesting. A little mm-hmm. more interesting. Mm-hmm. Tom Horn, um, veteran of the ballot um, mm-hmm. and some controversies in his life running against Kathy Hoffman. Kathy has, you know, arguably done a good job in mm-hmm. through the crisis of the pandemic and those things. Um, but and Tom's trying to in, interject critical race theory and some of these trigger issues of parents being Stuff in charge worked in Virginia. Right. And he's trying to interject those thematics into the race. Um, and she hasn't really taken a, his prior scandals so probably long long forgotten yeah, people tend to forget yeah they yeah. just remember the name on the ballot and yeah. so there may be some that uh, may have been why he got the nomination yeah He's clearly exactly. the most well-known candidate on yeah. the republican yeah. side yeah yeah so it'll it'll be interesting to see how that thing plays out i suspect uh hoffman will fare well in that race because people tend to go to that public education office and they go well you know, I, I I trust Democrats more on the education that's the, side. That, that's old school way here. For a lot of years, it worked that way. <laughs> yeah. You know, you, you want a Republican on the treasurer side, and you want a Democrat running. Yeah, your there school, you go. So. There you go. That's exactly yeah. right. You want a Republican in charge of the money, and you know, some some Democrat in charge of the education. Old heart and head thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back with Chuck Coughlin in a concluding session. A section. A session in just a moment in the think tank. The Think Tank, KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. We're back here with uh, political consultant Chuck Coughlin. We've been talking about candidates and races. I want to step back from that right now 
and uh, talk about issues. And and I want to pose this question to you in a way that uh, we sort of do the most important things first. The first question I'm going to ask you is uh, let's talk about the issues, but let's start with do this in the order of the impact that you think a given issue may have in this election. We'll do them from top to bottom, get as far as we can. Okay. Um I think we've discussed uh, reproductive rights, and that's that's at the because of the environment that we're working in and the litigation that's going on, and I, because of the court decision, the, the Roe v. Court Wade decision, court decision right. it, changed. It, it has the most volatility in the cycle uh, to be able to change mm. um, the electorate, to be able to motivate parts of the electorate to get out, and then you'd get to. The Republican home run issue is immigration and the Biden administration's failure to control the border and to adopt workable immigration law. And I think those are the two most salient issues, both cutting both ways. Um, and, you know, how you how do you respond to those things? You know, um, I, I think Republicans are ducking on the immigration issue and they're throwing hooks and straight jabs with the immigration issue. And, you know, how do Democrats respond? I mean, and, you know, there's a unique opportunity here for Democrats to respond on the immigration Mm -hmm. issue to say, you know, I just drag cinema into the room. She's Mm -hmm. a middle of the road (laughs) candidate. If I'm the Democrat, I'd be saying, I want to work with our state senior Senator to adopt significant immigration reform fixes to our green card system fixes to our and our security and our border security because her numbers amongst republicans are better than her numbers against democrats it's, it's, it's mccain in reverse it except is. that i think like mccain all those republicans who love her are never going to vote for her right well <laughs> i think there's some that yeah. will it'll be mm-hmm. interesting to see what happens but you know, there's a narrative a, a, a opportunity there. Whether people take it or not, we'll, we'll see. Um, instead of just falling into the typical rhetoric of, no, it's it's Trump and Trump is well, the problem. And you how, know, how do we get passed on that issue if somebody proposes comprehensive reform? Everything you said, okay. Yeah. And then you know what the Republican response will be? It'll be secure the border first. Yeah. Well. That's a never going to happen thing because secure the a, a twenty five hundred mile border will never be completely impervious to anybody coming through. Right. It, it's it's not going to. So you're setting up a premise that you know everybody knows well, on both will sides, never happen on both sides. You're not going to fix the immigration thing either. I mean, you're mm-hmm. not going to fully fix how to get people here and into employment and into working jobs. I mean, I was reading an article the other day where, you know, people who are on asylum and get into the country on asylum can't work for a year. You can't legally work for a year. That's ridiculous. Because what it does is... Cinema's introduced a bill on that. It hadn't been heard. It it introduces this crazy thing where you either need sponsors with money or more likely you're leading people to a situation where they got to work in the cash economy. Right, which is illegal. Which is illegal. Right, which is illegal and not good for the country. But they need to eat. What are you going to (laughs) do? Exactly. Uh, So, I mean, those are the... But I I think that's the, the two top issues that you'd play the reproductive rights thing is just a fastball right down the middle for democrats mm-hmm. um and if i'm if i'm if i'm republicans i'd try and stick my shoulder out there and get hit by it and try to then play the 
you know, the third term abortion. And that's that's what they tend mm-hmm. to do is go. They try to make yeah, Kelly there, there's, or the Democrats there's some horrific in, imagery extreme. about it on stuff that basically never happens. Right. You're seeing masters say that mm-hmm. for now. Like 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 Kelly's position is the most extreme mm-hmm. because he were, proves abortion in any instance. You know, so they mm-hmm. flip the table on him and and try and create the extreme the democratic equivalent of that, but it happens to be a real the 10-year-old who got raped and got pregnant <laughs> and 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 couldn't get an abortion in I think it was Ohio. Right. And then uh, you know, and the the typical the easy re- democratic response is I just don't want a criminal it. I don't want to mm-hmm. criminalize doctors, and I don't think anybody should be interfering in a doctor's relationship mm-hmm. with her pa- and with their patient. Yep. You know, or having government interfere. It's a it's a personal decision that a woman makes. So you know, there's ways to to narrate it, but you know, the Planned Parenthood position mm-hmm. is too extreme as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're not having they've adopted the policy of not endorsing any Democratic candidate that's endorsed by law enforcement. Um, which is that's insane. It's insane. It like yeah. hands the issue back to when, the other side. When again. you take on law enforcement, you lose. Yeah, exactly. I'm, <laughs> Even is, though there's some problems in law enforcement, right. you do not what take voters, on law. You right. know. Who do you want to vote for you? If, if it's yeah. Republicans that have an affinity for law enforcement, we're not going to take on law enforcement. Mm-hmm. We're going to victimize law enforcement here. And, you know, you're seeing some of that here. It's also out of their lane. Right. And you're seeing some of that here in the county attorney's race here with Julie Gonegal trying to, you know, say that Rachel Mitchell, the county attorney, will have to criminalize, you know, she's going to pursue prosecutions. Mitchell said, no, I'm not. I'm mm-hmm. not going to prioritize that. I will work uh, to support the law as it exists at the time. I think she said, I'm not going to put investigators out investigating abortions. Mm-hmm. You know, if people come to me with a problem, then I will uh, I will work. I'm not going to victimize women again as a sex crimes prosecutor. I'm not going to go victimize women again. And so you'll hear a dialogue about that going on. Yeah. So... We'll move the move the discussion a little bit now to all right. Those are the big issues. Yeah, total agreement on that. Yeah, but there's another set of issues that I want to ask you about that ask you to characterize issues that are really really important, but probably not going to play in the election either because they're difficult to explain or for some other reason. Right. Um, the the top one I think would be. The alternative expenditure limit on public education in Arizona. What's that? Yeah. (laughs) So um, Arizona has a law which prohibits, um, which which requires reauthorization if the spending limit at the state goes over a percentage of the state budget. Um, With the billion dollars that the legislature allocated to public education last year, that law needs to be changed. Uh, it needs to be amended to reflect that expenditure. It has not been changed. So the 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 road ahead looks like the next governor and the next legislature will have to do that. And I don't think, given the eighty percent of the ele- legislature has been elected, it's done. It's over in the primary safe district, and and you have a significant amount of very conservative Republicans who didn't support. Any of that expenditure, they voted no on the budget. They so, didn't want to spend the money in the right? first place, and so they're going to look at this as an opportunity to claw that money back. And nobody's raised that issue, 
And it will be an opportunity. It will be a stare down at the legislature as to what happens. There was a bit in the yellow sheet, the Capital Times yesterday about it, that, you know, they want, you know, uh, Sean Bowie, some of the Democrats want to do a special session, but the speaker and the president are saying, nope, we're not doing that. And so it's clearly going to be an issue in the campaign and will be a significant problem. Okay. Other ones, probably water. Water. We got 30 seconds. Okay. Water's a big deal. Um, Where's the difference? Everybody wants more water, whatever. What's the big difference between R's and D's on that? Well, the biggest challenge that's coming is the 100-year water cap that Babbitt put in uh, in place. You can't build something unless there's with, a, you a short supply. a 100-year water supply. There are constituencies organized to try and change that and improve the access to development they for want developers. A, a developer to build stuff where, where they water will be somebody else's problem down the road. Uh, hey, you got it for 50 years. You don't have to worry about that. Your market is only for 30. And, <laughs> and the measurement isn't perfect. So, right, uh, right. Okay, Chuck Coughlin, many thanks. Uh, you can reach me at mikeoneal.org. There's a gateway there to social media, email, and the rest. And we will return with another guest next week in the Think Tank.